This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbours. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments, so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times, 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWHU employee. West Ham start 2022 with a win at Sellers Park, a great way to start the year. But not everyone was a happy hammer after that performance. Is it fair or is it all about the points? We'll be talking about that game before getting the latest news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. Happy New Year, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the festive season. We certainly did. And now it's back to business. So let's talk about the Palace game, X. Some people were buzzing with the points. Others were underwhelmed with the performance. Where do you stand on the 3-2 win at Sellers Park? 
Well, ultimately, the final thing for me is that we came out with three points, and three points is what you wanted to take from that game, so we achieved our objective. Obviously, it was, to coin an old cliche, a game of two halves. Um, you know, I thought, although we were 3-0 up in the first half, I wouldn't say it felt like a 3-0 performance, um, but at the end of the day, it was, and then we started to sort of throw it away a little bit in the second, but not throw it away enough. At the end of the day, it's three points, so I'm never going to be disappointed with that because you've achieved your objective, you've you've come out of a period of intense games, you know, we've played a lot of matches um, in a short space of time, we've major injuries to our starting eleven. So we've come away. We're happy with the points. Crystal Palace had just been about was Norwich, but Palace has got a decent win before us. Yes, Palace were missing players. You know, they're missing Gallagher and Zaha. If I could have picked two players for them to miss, probably would have been those two. Um, so there were things that, you know, perhaps played to our advantage, but you know, even VAR, if you want to go that far into the game, it's a penalty that I might spot at the time. Uh, but at the end of the day, you cannot complain about three points in a London derby against Crystal Palace, who are no mugs. You know, they're not they're not in a bad season themselves. Um, so we got three points against them. It sets us up nicely to go into league games against, you know, Norwich and Leeds, who aren't... Um, particularly doing great at the moment and I think I think yeah I'm happy with it yes it could have been more convincing but then you know it's lots of games throughout the season could be more convincing it's three points that keeps us in the race for fourth place so yeah I'm happy yeah I couldn't put it back myself mate for me it's all about the points I would rather play badly and win than play well and lose and for the record mm-hmm. I don't think we were that bad I mean again no. You see some of the reaction on Twitter. It's like we've lost the game three two and it wasn't that great, but we've won it. And actually, we was all right. And you're right. Palace away isn't an easy game. Vieira's doing a decent job. And yes, we started slowly. That was frustrating. I think we started slowly against Watford as well, actually. So I think we've got to increase our intensity from the get go. Uh, you know that that sometimes is disappointing to see, and because I think that invites pressure early on. Um, and that was the case against Palace. I mean, we did ride our luck at times. Um, but you know what? It just goes to show that little bit of quality in the final third can change everything. I mean, I was over the moon for Antonio. Again, brilliant movement from him, someone who isn't a natural striker. But that ball from Ben Rama, fucking hell, absolutely phenomenal. We need to see more of that from him, I think, because mm. that's what he's got in his locker. That was brilliant. Really good goal, that. And extra second goal. Fucking hell, my God. It was orgasmic. And it's been a long time since I've ejaculated with a flaccid penis. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there, there was that time when we top of town in Ibiza. Um, Mate, but, this, is a, this is a free show. Anyone can hear this. You need to put a warning out before, the, before you do this. Right. If they don't know got, what to expect from us by now, they'll never fucking know. I guess at least I've got a job to be cost now. <laughs> but my point is, X, for want of a better expression, um, that was pure pornography from Manu, wasn't it? I mean, an yeah. incredible goal. And he's really starting to get back to his best now on a more consistent level, wasn't he? Mm. I mean, I was at the game and I was... I was in the fifth row, but the first two rows were taken out. Um, you know, they were covered over. I saw fans getting onto the pitch, obviously. So I was technically in the third row, and all the goals were down the other end. Um, and I knew it was a good goal because you could see that it had risen up, and he kind of half followed it into the net off the bar. So I knew it was a good goal. But it was only until I watched the replay and he saw the fleet-footed um, build up to it, which made it even better. I mean, the close control that bought him the space to get the shot in was amazing. 
music. And um, yeah, it was a brilliant goal, brilliant goal. And like you say, that's, uh, you know, the last, what, three, four matches now. He's played really, really well. Actually, probably even more because he came up the subs bench. He was playing well. So he's been playing well consistently for a period of time now. And I hope to God he can keep this up because if we can get him anywhere near the player he was when he first joined us, that's then to, again, sorry, to coin a, a phrase again, but it's like having a new, a new signing because for the last mm. two, three years, yeah, he's been effective in the odd game here and there, but he's never really had the consistency he had before. Yes, you can blame it on the injury that he got Argentina and worryingly, they're looking at calling him up again, um, possibly. So I uh, have to hope that doesn't happen, but um, he, yeah, he's been performing very, very well. And it's, it's timed well with the fact that Ben Rama is now going to go to the African Nations. You know, that was his last game for us for a month or so. Flasic is beginning to show um, some potential as well and um, to be able to perform consistently. So I think it, it was great timing that Lanzini got that. And hopefully now, if he can just ret- retain his place in the team and continuously build on these performances, then, um, then it's going to only be a good thing for us. Mm, yeah, totally. It was such a good goal. I mean, I think he touched yeah. the ball four times in two seconds. And, really? Well, and, and, and yeah. you know, uh, when you look at how he manoeuvred that for himself, that close control and the technical ability to smash it in like he did. He's a scorer of great goals, X, isn't he? I mean, he's going to have his own category on Paul Nub soon, I think. Um, <laughs> and against London teams as well. Yeah, though, I I know, he loves London. a derby. He loves yeah. a derby. Do you know what? I've got to ask you. What was the better goal? That against Palace or the Tottenham goal? That's a good one, actually. I wasn't expecting that question. That's a good a good question. Um, I mean, it depends which way you look at it, because obviously the um, Palace one had more skill to it because it had the close control and then the finish, whereas the Tottenham goal was mainly just the finish it also took a slight slight if we're going to be picky deflection against Tottenham um, but then it was the last minute an absolute screamer and so in terms of sentiment the goal meant oh, even though even though it was only for a draw it was special I think if I was watching TV and I saw both of those goals the one that's probably most likely to make me go, whoa, is the one against Tottenham, mm. I think. I think. But then the one against Palace, I was still going, God, that's a great goal. But the Tottenham one, because it was so far out, obviously bouncing off the bar in the last minute, just had all the drama and stuff. So I think the Tottenham one edges it just. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was interested to hear what you would say, but mm. I'm with you on that. I mean, the Palace goal was phenomenal. It really yeah. was phenomenal. But I just think, oh, that Tottenham one. Maybe there is sentiment with me. Maybe yeah. the drama and the emotional attachment to that goal plays a part. But I just think he probably could have hit that another 99 times and he, he wouldn't have done it again. You know, it was just so sweet. And again, technically unbelievable for that as well. But distance technical ability behind the way he struck it and he kept it down and the swerve he got on it. I think, I think you'd have to give it to the, the Tottenham goal for me. Mm. Um, but worth putting a poll out on Patreon to see what people think. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think there'll be a lot in it. No. Um, well, he also scored the third and what a brilliant penalty it was too. But X, how refreshing was it to see VAR being used at the right time in the right way by officials actually using their common sense and having a set of bollocks to make the right decision for once? <laughs> 
Yeah, and to make it go the right way as well. I mean, it was it was a shock because it was uh, right before half time. Like I said, I was at the game um, and Crystal Palace. I don't know if you've been there for an away, but it's an absolute yeah. nightmare before yeah. and after because there's one way into the stand and everyone there's a small width of um, of concourse and it's just like so rammed. So. Um, I was like, right, I need to leave a little bit before half-time, get to the toilet, get a quick beer in and stuff. And um, I was meeting um, someone at half-time as well. And so I wanted to sort of get um, out quickly. So literally, as I was leaving my stairs, um, past Missy, the steward, you know, that's on Twitter. Um, oh, yes, so yeah, lovely Missy, girl. quick hello to her. And as I was going up the stairs with Vince, um, suddenly popped up on the screen, you know, a VAR checking penalty. And I was like, what? Well, I didn't even see it. Um, and then, uh, so I had no idea. I didn't at first even if it was for West Ham I assumed it was it was down the other end and then um, yeah then it came out there was a penalty brilliantly converted and I've since watched the replay because obviously wants to see what happened and yeah it was the right call it really was and and he and it's like you said it took bollocks to make that call because it wasn't one that West Ham um, players or fans particularly had appealed for Mm. it's not like he had the pressure of the fan base on them calling for that penalty he could have got away with and the fans probably wouldn't have even remembered or noticed after the game so to actually call it back um, well the VAR officials obviously called it back to call it back and then give that penalty um, was the right decision and um, yeah maybe hopefully our luck will turn with VAR now and that'll be the, the starting point because it, it, like I say it was the right decision and if VAR is there to make sure that everything that should be given is given and everything that should be given isn't given then that was correct yeah Mm. Well, I was certainly happy at half time after a man who smashed that penalty in. And what a penalty it was, by the way. He's, he's clearly a very good penalty taker. So I can see yeah. why they give him the ball and we get a spot kick. But at half time, X, the gaffer takes off Johnson, who was on a yellow card, and replaces him with Mazuaku, who is often criticised for his defensive ability. Did you agree with that decision? Um,. Because on the one hand, he's clearly... Well, I'm assuming it's to clearly protect Johnson from getting a second jello. And he had a slight knock as well. Right, okay. Uh, Okay, so uh, I I didn't realise that. So that might change things. But if we are kind of mainly focusing on the fact that he's protecting the yellow card, um, I don't know, you're looking to protect a lead and Mazuaku ain't the first name that comes into your mind to shore up the defence, is he? No, I think personally... And this is obviously with the benefit of hindsight, which is easier. So it's easier for me to call this. I think I would have put Mazuaku on on the third, on like the 60th or the 65th minute. If I know you run the risk of him getting there, another yellow card of being sent off, and you know you don't want that, obviously. But it would only have been a one-match ban, so you know it's not like he'd have been out for three, four weeks. But I do, I do understand why he wants to protect Johnson and to be honest with you because Johnson was the was on our side for the first half you know where I was stood as uh, watching it he was like the left back at that point and a couple of times uh, two or three times I was shouting at him to get tighter to his man I felt that he was leaving his winger um, in too much space mm. and, and what, what did he say to you X what was uh, he said no I respect that X I tried <laughs> hard a second half but obviously he didn't get a chance um, but the problem, the, the problem was is that I, so I actually wouldn't be surprised. And I'm not saying, you know, that I'm Mr. Tactical here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Moyes had noticed that as well. And you 
you can. I'm not. This is not ICK. No, this is just my gut feeling that you could say right. He's on a booking. He's got a little bit of a knock, and I'm not sure whether he's getting close enough to his full uh, to his winger. Um, I'm going to make the decision to take him off. And, you know, we all know that Masuaku is a bit of a calamity in defence. That said, I don't know if you saw the statistic, but he won the most tackles in the whole game, I think. <laughs> no, and, I know, didn't see that, actually. Yeah, is that right? Apparently so. I don't know if it was for the whole game or for the heart, but I think to make the statistic more, um, what's the word, outstanding, which is why the way it was given to me, I would assume it was for the whole game. He won the most tackles out of anyone on the pitch. So... You know, whilst, yes, the obvious two goals look like they came from errors by him, um, he was he did win a few tackles. And I can remember him winning a few tackles. For me, I think Dieu was more at fault defensively out, if you have to pinpoint any anyone. Um, and, you know, second goal, free kick comes through. No one touches it. It's one of those goals where you could probably, you know, should have given away the free kick. And you could probably blame the defence and keeper for when those ones go in. But they're a little bit tricky. But, yeah, with hindsight, obviously, it looks like it was a bad decision taking Johnson off the Mesoar but I think it would be wrong for me to criticise that I, I can I can understand why he did it yeah mm. well after some disappointing results around Christmas time that is now six points from six mm. do you think we should rest any players for the FA Cup game against Leeds on Sunday hey some good questions today Mr Walker um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a tough one isn't it so I was actually thinking about this earlier because Part of me thinks no. Part of me thinks we need to really go for the FA Cup. So we're out of the League Cup now. Um, we want to win something. It's, it's really important, not just because it's so long since we've won something. And also David Moyes has never actually, I don't think, won a trophy. Although he says winning's what he does. You know, he's actually got a trophy to his name. Um, and uh, um, not for sort of in the Premier League and above anyway. And, and I think... Also for Declan Rice's future, we need to be challenging for these things. So part of me thinks, no, it might even be better. And this could be incredibly disrespectful to Norwich, but it might even be better to rest players for that game than for the Leeds game. Because, you know, if you're going to pick a Premier League team that you want to play, it is Norwich that you want to play at the moment. So I think I would alternate one or two, but not too many. Like I think, you know, Obviously, Ben Rama's not going to be able to play if Johnson is is a doubt. Um, I don't think he is. I think he's available. But if there's any concerns around Johnson, I might give Longelo another game at left back, possibly. Um, you know, maybe with Rice or Suchek, maybe one of them to drop out for Noble or for for Crow. Um, and then you, and then I think that's probably it. I would do possibly Bowen up front and Antonio out. Possibly, but I think only at maximum two or three changes, maximum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Either I like keeper, it. probably as well, keeper, Ariola for Fabianski. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you possibly make three or four changes. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you've got to field a very strong side against Leeds because... You know, if we can go against the grain of the fucking luck we get in these cup draws, we might get an easier round going into round four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's what you'd like to be. Because let's be honest, even though we're at home and Leeds ain't having the best time of it at the moment, for a round three FA Cup draw, it's fucking awful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it is definitely. We always get Premier League teams, it seems. I mean, I'd like to look back at the last sort of 10 draws 
across the league in the FA Cup and see how many times we've drawn Premier League teams out of those 10 draws. It'd be a very easy stat to do. And I reckon it's a high percentage. It seems we've always got Premier League teams, it seems, uh, apart from maybe the very early rounds of the League Cup. Even this year, we got obviously Manchester United and Man, and Man City. Yeah. Um, I um, I think I think the good the thing we've got that's going to help us hopefully going forward is that obviously we only lost one game to COVID, whereas some teams lost two or three, so they're going to have a fixture pile up. We're out the League Cup now, so we're not going to have those games. We're not playing the Europa League till. March time when hopefully the likes of Zuma and Cresswell we'll see Ben Rahm will be back and hopefully we'll have a few signings by then so you could argue that we're not actually you know in that much of a fixture pile up now because obviously we've got Leeds at the weekend um, then you've got Norwich midweek then Leeds again um, and then you've got um, two, those seems to be every week after that pretty much so rather than you know two times a week and stuff so I think I think I think you could get away I think you do need to play Ariola because I think otherwise you know there's no point in being here he's clearly been told he's the cup keeper and I think he's not let us down in the cup before we need to get more of a glimpse as to whether he is worth signing at the end of the season so I would say definitely Ariola. If there's any doubt over any of those defenders, because we've got no backup, I would say, you know, play at least possibly for one of the centre-backs. If there's a doubt, which there has been over Dawson, if there's a doubt over Johnson, then play Longelo maybe. And then I would say, like I said, no, Noble or Crow in for one of Suchek and Rice. And then oh, possibly Antonio um, out and Bowen up front. But I, I think you've got to take this cup game seriously. Interestingly, <coughs> Leeds appear to have a lot of players out themselves which could work to our advantage. Apparently they've got five or six first-teamers that are doubts for the game. So hopefully Good. they'll be much rested, uh, much changed as well. Um, so, yeah, but we've got to take the cup seriously. We have to. Like, we, we are in three competitions now, and every one of those games needs to be taken seriously, but it's about getting the balance right um, for those games. But yeah, I wouldn't make many changes. Mm. I want to speak to you about Declan Rice because we've had the debate on the show many a time about his future, which actually mm. nine times out of 10 turns out to be quite a depressing conversation to have. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you saw it. Simon Jordan was uh, was talking on mm. TalkSport. Yeah. Um, and first and foremost, what an incredible achievement to get to 150 games for Declan Rice. Um, yeah. His age is just phenomenal. Absolutely yes. phenomenal. Um. But Simon Jordan was quoted as saying he won't see 200 for West Ham because he's absolutely convinced that he will go in the summer. Um, without kind of creeping back into the will he, won't he argument, you know, if we if we don't get past Leeds on Sunday and we're out of the League Cup and the dream of a top four qualification is starting to be questionable, is it going to be more leaning towards Simon Jordan being right? Well, firstly, in terms of the stat, you said in terms of the style of positive, but the 150 appearances, you said, interestingly, there was an article in the paper, um, I don't know if you saw it, but he is 14th um, in the history books of the Premier League as the quickest to get to 150 appearances. And if you go through the names of players that have done it, 
Um, the first person, the, the youngest person to get to it was Wayne Rooney, and he got to it at 21 years and 67 days. And obviously, we all know that he went on to be the then Manchester United's all-time uh, top goal scorer, so we don't need to question how good he is. Um, uh, Fabregas was second, then James Milner, then Raheem Sterling, then Joe Cole, then a little bit of a strange one, Chris Bart Williams, if you remember him. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Ex-Lay and Orient, Sheffield Wednesday, not Spores, Chris Bart Williams, Michael Owen, Gareth Barry, Rio Ferdinand, Robbie Fowler, Wayne Bridge, Gary Kelly, Emil Heskey, and then Declan Rice, and he actually wow. beat Ryan Giggs by a day. To be uh, to the 150th wow. Premiership game and beat Ronaldo as well by um, 12 days. So yeah, 14th youngest player to achieve that. And, and what you've got to think is as well that a large majority of those games have been spent as captain as well. Whereas mm. most of those other players wouldn't have been a captain um, by then. So mm. it'd be interesting to see percentage-wise how many of those players played a captain. And I reckon it'd be probably very little. I mean, obviously Joe Cole had a few games as captain for us when he was young. But um, yeah, anyway, so a massive achievement, something that I've always said would happen. Uh, a few people have been saying that this week, I'm not going to lie, I've taken quite a bit of a buzz from it. Lena, um, to be fair, today said it, um, and uh, quite a few other people have actually gone back to when I used to say on this show that this would happen to him. And I and I did predict he'd have England Cats by the age of 21, they'd be the best player in the world, one of the best players in the world by now. But I think, yes, I believe it. I think a part of me was always a bit sceptical whether I was getting a bit carried away so I am actually glad that he was as good as it turned out and I, I can take the credit for it but I, not really because the credit goes to the people that told me that obviously I never saw Declan, I knew him and I knew him as a person and I knew he had the right mentality to do it but I'd only ever seen a few games from him but it was the people that were in and involved in the club that have been so useful to me over the years, I'm not going to specifically but have been such good you know sources of information to benefit the club you know they never tell me anything that's I shouldn't know but they tell me things like which players are doing really well and how good certain players are so I knew from an early age and you'll know who I'm talking about but um, I don't want to specify exactly but yeah so there's credit to them for being that right on the talent and nurturing the talent he had in terms of what Simon Jordan said unfortunately Unfortunately, I think there's probably an element of truth in it um, as much as I hate to say it. Um, I think Declan loves being at this club. I really do. I think he loves West Ham. He's so grateful for what the club did for him. He loves the supporters. You know, you've got to remember he's got a strong relationship with a lot of supporters. When he first broke into the team, and I, I credit him for this, I don't think people realise it, but he managed his social media side of things so well. So like, he became good friends with you know, reasonably sized West Ham accounts and got to know influential people, you know, got to know sort of, you know, people like um, oh, Dennis Leppin very well, who used to drive into to matches and stuff, got to know those people well, got to know, like, you know, came on our podcast early on, got to know some of the other accounts quite well. And I think he managed it very, very well in terms of getting people to respect and like him from an early age. Um, and so, and he's built those relationships. So I think he, like I said, I think he loves the club. I love that, I think that he loves the fact he's captain, the fact that he's admired by West Ham fans so much. But when, when you've been released by Chelsea, 
you're a game away from being released by West Ham. You know, your career almost looked like it wasn't going to happen. Your incentive is to then prove everyone wrong and to go on and win things. And as much as we want West Ham to go on and win things, realistically, if we do win something, it's, I hate to say it, but unless Krasinski invests really well in us, it's not going to be as consistent as the likes of Chelsea, Manchester United, or I say them, they've won everything for a while, but Chelsea, Manchester United, Man City, Liverpool, you know, the usual clubs. And I think he's now going to be 23 in a couple of weeks. You know, he could stick around for maybe another year, another two years, but I don't know. I think, I think if we've really got to achieve something this year to be able to convince him, because the, his press is just getting more and more and more. You know, it's taken people surprisingly a long time to realise how good he was, and that would make me question their ability as football analysts or football reporters, because they have taken a long time to get to this point, and he's always been this good. Yes, he's got better, but he's always had the potential. Um, but people are starting to realise how good he is, um, and it's going to be very hard for West Ham, sadly, to hold on to players like that. I don't think it's the same era that we live in now, where the likes of Trevor Brookin, you know, despite being a world-class player and an international, was prepared to play for West Ham in the Championship equivalent. You know, um, we had the likes of Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters, although he did end up going, Bobby Moore, um, and he went at the end of his career, they weren't tempted to leave in those days, and you'd get people like Matt Letizier for Southampton and other players that were good but would stick with lower-level clubs. Unfortunately, money and ambition and social status, I think, is so much different now that I think it would be very hard. I hate saying it because it's depressing. I really hope we can convince him to stay. I really hope we can. If you want an honest answer, unless we maybe win the Europa League and stuff, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be hard. We might squeeze one more year out of him because his contract's three to four years, I think, left now. Um, so we might squeeze one more year out of him, but then you don't want to get to the point where his value depreciates because he's got not long left in his contract. Mm, well, no, it's a difficult one. Here's a horrible, controversial question that I don't actually even want to ask you, but I am interested to hear what your answer will be. If Mark Noble, at the same time in his career, was as good as Declan Rice, do you think he would have been a one-club man? <laughs> Jeez, you're on fire state. But you're also, <laughs> but you're also, you're it's also a horrible making, one, though. It is, yeah, exactly. You're also making the guns go towards my head. <laughs> well, I'm going to answer it honestly as well, and that's what okay. I think you should do for the benefit of this podcast. Okay. I, do, I think it's an interesting one. And listen, Mark has been a quality player for West Ham. Uh, he still is quality coming on. I mean, his appearances this season has been brilliant, mm-hmm. and he is... He's more than just a football player for West Ham. That's why he's called Mr. West Ham. But that does lean towards the question of if he was as good as Declan Rice and the the top four and some of the top clubs around the world were knocking on the door for him. He isn't a player that played in the 60s, 70s and 80s when the social status that you're talking about, the money that you're talking about um, wasn't around. It it is around. So if he would have been to the calibre of Declan Rice from these late teens to where he is now, do you think this would be his last season or do you think he would have left a long time ago? It's a difficult one because obviously when we got relegated um, in 2000 and um, what was it, 11, with Avril Grant, he stayed and he stayed and played in the championship and I think he would have stayed and played in the championship 
for beyond the one year that we were down there. Um, and he had offers. And I think Sunderland, which obviously now doesn't look like a good offer, but I think they were in the Premier League at the time, possibly. Sunderland, I think Fulham, maybe, made, made tentative approaches for him and he turned them down. And he's never gone and demanded more money. And actually, when you look at his wages comparatively, particularly when he was more at his peak, you know, when he was mm. captain and first name on the team sheet, his wages have always been reasonably mediocre compared to other players that have came in the, in the club. So in that respect, you could argue he wouldn't have gone because you say, well, he has never demanded loads of money. He's never made a fuss to leave. He is Mr. West Ham, et cetera, et cetera. However, I think it's very hard to really know what would happen if, you know, if he genuinely believed and everyone was telling him he was good enough to go. So I don't think he would have gone to Chelsea. Uh, he would have possibly gone to you know, Tottenham or something like that. But if, Man United, Liverpool, Man City came in for him with big money and offered him the chance to, I don't know, mate, it's hard to answer. And it's all very hypothetical, so I don't know the answer. But I think he probably probably would have gone. And the funny thing is, like, and I hate to ruin another legend here while I'm at it, but you know, people, <laughs> people, people don't realise about a few of these players over the years. You know, I think at one point, Trevor Brookin. Uh, was having talked to Brian Clough came in for him I think at Knott's mm. Forest possibly or Derby one of the Derby. two Derby Derby yeah and I think he was semi-tempted at one point I think Bobby Moore even might have tried to drive a move to Spurs at one point from what I've heard I mean it didn't happen and I don't want to tarnish these people's names but also De Canio you know there's the whole story that he turned down Manchester United to stay at West Ham and obviously he's based his book upon that and made loads and loads of quotes, I've been reasonably, reliably informed that he actually did want to go to Man United, but it fell through and he ended up signing Teddy Sheringham, I think, instead. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's hard to know for certain. Those circumstances, obviously, you'd like to think not, but I don't know, I'd be interested to hear your answer. And also, well, I'll throw in a catalyst question, and uh, you need to answer this, uh, sorry, catalyst, uh, another question uh, you need to answer this truthfully as well if it was you yeah like as in Dave Walker you know you got close to having a professional career when you were younger you, you're at West Ham you are doing well for West Ham but you're say I'm like you know not going to win anything at West Ham you're banging them in you've got potential to play for England and you're, you're sort of England selection I know this isn't the case with Declan but let's just say for this scenario it is because um, he wasn't a West Ham fan that's what you got to remember with Declan um, your place is on the brink of not being um, guaranteed because you're not playing for a top club and Manchester United or Man City or whoever it is that you want to play for at those big clubs come in they offer to double triple quadruple your wage um, you know you're going to play in the top elite of football which you stick at West Ham so you need to answer both of those noble and that one well one thing that I can promise you and the listeners is that I'm going to answer this question honestly for both can myself I... and Mark right okay and you probably know where this is going to go because of that cushion comment. But yeah. honestly, 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 I promise you that if I had a career in football and I was lucky enough to play for West Ham, becoming a legend at West Ham would mean more to me than trophies I'd win with other clubs. To be yeah. a legend in the fans' eyes, my people, what that would mean to my family, 
uh, and my own self-esteem and my dreams of playing for West Ham when I was a kid would mean more than a bit of silverware sitting in a cabinet in my house somewhere. And that also trips over to my answer with Mark. I actually think he's probably the last of the generation and, and dare I say it, possibly the last of players that we'll see coming through at West Ham that will be one club men or even at any club. I actually do believe that if he was on top of his game, I think he would feel the same way as I've just described. I think, you know, with Mark, he's, when it comes to being a West Ham fan, he's off the Richter scale, isn't he? I mean, he's very well known. He is a proper, proper fan. He literally bleeds West Ham. And throughout his career, I think he's been smart enough financially. I think you know better than I do. Yeah, I mean, that is one factor. That's what I was thinking in my head there. Financially, the money wouldn't be an incentive to him because he's been very, very clever. And that almost makes me want to retract what I said earlier. Yeah, it, exactly. exactly. So financially, he's he's all right for a pound note. Mm. Um, and also, let's not forget, let's say he's on 50 grand a week now, right? If he mm. was as good as Declan, he wouldn't be on 50 grand a week. The board would look after him. I know there's a whole yeah. fucking hell, like, why ain't the board paying Declan what he wants? I mean, mm. there's conversations behind closed doors. But Nobes, if he was to Dec's level at his age, would probably be on 150 plus now. So, you know, money wouldn't be a concern for him. I don't think ego comes into it at all I don't think he cares about social status he cares about it but not to a degree where he's obsessed with it um, and he lives his life like a rock star like a lot of players do I don't think that's an issue to him and I, so I just think it comes down to ambition and winning trophies within the game and being remembered for a, a footballer who achieved great things within the game versus achieving great things for the club that you love and they're, they're, they're different achievements because one is trophies and, and reflecting back on being a winner. And the other one is, is going through the highs and lows uh, of life as a fan, but also playing on the pitch as a fan with the club that you love. And I think with Mark Noble, I genuinely think uh, he would. I do think he would stay at West Ham. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, to be honest, I, mean, I think you've convinced me now. I think the money factor is 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 one definitely. That mm. financially, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be that. So, so yeah, I think if you're talking finances, he doesn't need to um, move. So that takes that question out of it. I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because for me, obviously, the one thing I've ever wanted to do is score in a cup final or whatever for West Ham and play for West Ham and be a West Ham legend. Mm-hmm. But if you get the because Declan Rice will leave West Ham, a West Ham legend, no, not, maybe not a legend as strong, but he'll leave West Ham very well off. Like he'll always be, as long as he handles his departure well, mm-hmm. if he does go, he'll always be remembered really positively here. Always have like a, polite, a big part of West Ham's history, always. Mm-hmm. Um, if he could then go and do that. Another club, it's been like Joe Cole. You know, Joe Cole has got that in West Ham, and he's got it with Chelsea. Um, Rio Ferdinand could have had that with West Ham if mm. he didn't shit on us so much recently. Mm. Um, so it's the question of, as a football man, would you love to go and be a legend at West Ham? Brilliant. And also a legend at Manchester United or whatever. So you've got to think of it like that, particularly if you're not a West Ham fan. But for me, I think... I would have I would have stuck in West Ham just and don't get me wrong if we were fighting relegation every year and then I had the chance to play for a top club and win things, it would be a massive temptation. But I'd like to think I would stay at West Ham. Um and then 
Yeah, for no. But I think you've convinced me. I think you're probably the last of a dying breed now. There's no one that I can imagine in the game that plays for an equivalent side that would then um, then stick with that side. Um, mm. So, yeah, maybe uh, I think I'll take it back. Maybe edit that bit out before I get the stick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this is the thing, and it? it's... When it comes to footballers and what I said about Nobs and what you're agreeing with me on with Nobs, I do think he is an isolated example. I don't think it's, you know, if we're going to see the next West Ham fan come through West Ham, there's there's nothing to say that he's going to want to play for West Ham for the rest of his life. Tony Cotty didn't. You know, yeah. he decided to leave West Ham. Where he loves West Ham, absolutely loves West Ham. But he left and okay, he came back, but he did leave um, because of his ambition. But with Nobs, I just think, and it's why I asked the question, I honestly think with him, he is an isolated example with West Ham, especially in modern day football, where I, I just don't think he would. Maybe he would. Maybe he would have done. Um, it's just a debate. It's a conversation piece. But I, I just don't think he would. Mm. Um, but I thought it was an interesting talking point anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, going back to the game on Sunday, let's not forget that we have the West Ham Way pre-match event before the Leeds game, where Alvin Martin will be the special guest. And it's going to be great. We hope you can make it. I'm looking forward to that, X, because Alvin, I mean, he done one for us. Would you believe I had um, a notification come up on my social media? I think it was today. that It was five years ago when Alvin last done an event for us. I think it might have been the second or third one we'd done. So we're literally almost talking five years to the day that he's coming back and doing it again for us. But he's such good value for money, X, isn't he? He was like a stand-up comedian the last time he was here. Well, he is like the thing that I'm trying to sort of stress to people because the tickets, I'll be honest, tickets haven't sold that well at the moment. We're looking at probably our least selling event, which is just ridiculous because it's mm. an absolute legend. But not only is he a legend um, in terms of what he achieved, his son now plays for the club. So he's going to be able to tell us about all the days gone by, you know, winning the FA Cup, which he is one of uh, the select few to have achieved at West Ham, um, you know, winning the FA Cup. Cup, playing, um, uh, you know, for as many games as he did. And he's got the bands with Wardy being scousers and former teammates. Um, and then he'll be able to talk to us about what the, is the current system. And you know, he's a talk sport presenter. He's got all the media experience, but his son is in the current squad. And his son is a very, very popular a player and so he'll know exactly what's going on so I'm buzzing for it mate I think it's a a great opportunity for people to come uh, with the the sort of lower attendance it's looking like at the moment people are going to get a much more sort of personal um session as such in the sense that it's not as busy as it usually is I would I can't believe people are not even all over this personally yeah I know I mean obviously we do have Another pre-match event, again against Leeds a week later with Colton Cole as the, yeah. the host. I know this one's a, a little bit earlier, which is uh, which is fair enough. But like we say, it is Alvin Martin. He's a straight talker, talks of his heart. He's one of us. I mean, yes, he's a scouser, but make no mistake, he's one of us. He knows everything there is to know about West Ham, past and present. Uh, he's funny, funny as fuck. Like X says, great banter with Waldy as well. And do you know what? One thing I've learned about Alvin is he loves people. He loves West Ham fans. So he will be looking forward to meeting everyone there at that event, probably even more so than you are looking forward to meeting him. He's a top, top fella. And like Hex says, you know, what an opportunity. It's a, it's a gateway through to, to what's going on at the club and, uh, you know, what his relationship's like with some of the players, his own personal highlights, the Chelsea game away. 
you know, when um, when when David made you know a fantastic um, uh, debut for us there, a full debut X, was that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, and you know, from a dad's perspective, what was that like? And from David's perspective, there's so many questions you can ask him. I think the Q and A is going to be brilliant. But like X said, you know, this is quite light on tickets at the moment. It depends how you look at it because. On the one hand, it's brilliant to have a busy, buzzing atmosphere. On the other hand, it's um, a shorter queue to get your autographs and pictures. So either mm-hmm. way, you should be there. It's going to be a, a, a great, a great event. And um, the ticket link is out there. And if you put your name down on Patreon as well, you can pay on the door. Right. Through gritted teeth, let's get an update on the Predictions League competition. Oh, my God, really? Yes. No, it's fair. Oh, fair. Wow. Fair's fair. I thought um, that was the scraps now. I thought you'd stop playing. <laughs> it's tempting at times. Yeah, that's what usually it, happens. It, it is tempting. <laughs> I, I am currently 75th with which is actually good. It's not bad. It's not bad. I actually fucking beat you again this weekend. I know. I know um, but but the problem is I need a couple of killer weeks and I need you to have a couple of disastrous weeks to try and level the playing field. But yeah, I listen, I know there's a long way to go, but I, I think your form is is pretty impressive because if I look at the points tally now, like I say, I'm 75th with 1,861 points. And you, mate, you was actually 15th. You've, you've mm. dropped somewhat to 19th, which is still an incredible achievement. You've got 2,121, leaving a gap between us of 260 points, which is a bit sore, really. Mm. Um, so I've got some work to do there. Starting with the weekend just gone, like I say, I've got about 50 points back there, so it's a start, but I, I do need those killer weeks, really. Well, I'm hoping you do. You predicted uh, Manchester United to win today, I'm hoping. Oh, fucking hell, I don't know if I remember to do it, to be honest with you. Well, if, if you haven't remembered to do it, it's going to bloody help you, I think, because they lost at home to Wolves today. Oh, Jesus, right. Okay. So, like, I'm going to have a check now. So that that will probably make a difference if you've forgotten. <laughs> It'd be so again. funny if I'd forgotten. Honestly, because this you... would be an example of the type of, like you say, I had. Yeah, it is. It'll be the perfect example, which is why this should not be edited out of the final <laughs> show, please. That we can actually <laughs> witness what is going to happen, right? You predicted. I did predict it, didn't I? No, you did, yeah. You oh, did I? You predicted a 2 0 win for Man United, which got you minus nine points. And I predicted, um, I predicted a 2 0 win as well. So, yeah, got me minus nine as well. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, it's thrown out some funny results at times this season, isn't it? I mean, I know last yeah. season with the whole COVID scenario did as well, but this season there has been some shots. Um, do you know one thing I've noticed you do, which is a bit frustrating. I'm going to put hold you to court on this. Obviously, we do the predictions for the West Ham Way patron. Yeah, and you predicted a draw between West Ham and Crystal Palace, and I predicted a win. <laughs> you went one all, and I went two one. And then, so I'm thinking, like when West Ham have won, without even checking, I'm thinking, oh, I know Dave's put a draw. Boom, that's me. You got another fifty odd points ahead of him. <laughs> and I go and have a look, and again, you predicted the West Ham win. So it's like. You have yeah. it all bases, like, yeah. Yeah. like I bet there's something else you put a palace with, so like, <laughs> you can't be wrong. Yeah, well, do you know what? I do do that quite a lot, and it, it varies really in terms of. You know, I, I can leave it till the last minute sometimes because sometimes my gut instincts change, and if I, because I've got to be honest, I personally didn't know that Zaha and Gallagher were out until quite mm. late. So that, for me, I think swung the pendulum in, in West Ham's favour. So that's why I think I, I moved it to a win. Thank mm. God I did, by the way. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're quite right. And do you know what? 
there's actually been a shift in the top five because I want to talk about these boys for a second because this is getting quite exciting. So Mark Radford is fifth with 2,317 points. Christopher Powell is fourth with 2,319 points. Gary Prince, who was at one point a runaway, is mm. in third with 2,369. James in Korea is second, was first, but now he's second with 2,396. And leading the pack as it stands with 2,472 points is Tom Ad. So there's some, uh, there's some new names in that top five which is interesting. Mm. So good luck to everyone. I hope you're all enjoying it so far. Um, I'm not enjoying this season anywhere near as much as I've done the last two, but hopefully... That's why we don't cover it every (laughs) week or so. (laughs) (laughs) We're fucking covering it now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talking about being happy with something, we are also delighted to announce that from this Thursday, the West Ham Way USA podcast will be exclusive to our Patreon. So that means, moving forward, the only place to hear Brawley and Nick is if you are a patron of the West Ham Way. So welcome to the family, boys. And X, it's another great addition for us, I think. Really good one. I mean, they're, they're the only sort of podcast um, like, that I've listened to regularly alongside um, like these, like Robert Brown when it used to do it in the past. Um, that was the only podcast I've listened to uh, regularly. And, and they're both, obviously, Tony before uh, Nick, but it's broadly uh, been a consistent uh, it's very very knowledgeable really interesting to hear a um, different perspective on things from someone you know that isn't in the country and stuff and is watching different I guess kind of media and stuff on the club um, both of them are very knowledgeable you know, Nick's the new addition he's knowledge of um, sort of Eastern European football in terms of the sort of Baltic region you know former Yugoslavia and um, countries uh, that made that up his knowledge is um is phenomenal you know he's my um, reference when it comes to pronouncing these players although i don't think they ever do do him any justice he doesn't want that tag but uh yeah he's got a great knowledge of football as has brawley so i think it's a really good addition to the fact it's exclusive to us you know if you like what you know if you don't like what you and i have to say well that's an alternative to it and um if you like what both of us have to say we've got extra content we don't have to listen to them up to you but the the option is there and um yeah welcome to both of them both top blokes that we um fortunately had the pleasure of meeting in vegas and we did the event and you know speaking of vegas i think the event is still gonna go ahead at the moment for the last game of the season against brighton very early provisional plans on that but um john um, Black, the guy who um, is the sort of linchpin behind it all in America, so said tweet, did a tweet today that he's still hopeful that it's going to go ahead, so he's going to finalise plans. So happy days. So, um, yeah, welcome to Brody and Nick. And I think the patrons, I mean, let's be honest, for £5 a month, you don't need us to tell you, but £5 a month, really, guys, come on, <laughs> it is decent value. Let's not, let's not lie here. So, yeah, another, another example of why it is. Absolutely. And we, as in we ourselves, have a really good relationship with the American West Ham fans. And a lot of them listen to this podcast. And mm. if you listen to us and you haven't yet listened to Brawley and Nick, they're a really good representation of American West Ham fans in America. Uh, so go and check them out. And, and lads, it's great to have you on board with us. And um, we're excited about the future. And it also coincides with some competitions we have at the moment, X, if you want to give a few more details on that. 
Yeah, well, we just thought, you know, New Year, let's try and encourage a few more people to go over to Patreon. So we've got a refer a friend. So basically, if you can prove within, I mean, I've been a little bit lenient, I'll be honest with you, mate. If people have done it in December as well, I've kind of let them in as well. But if you've referred a friend um, from this point onwards and you can, and your friend can say, well, I'm here because this person referred me. The both of you will be entered into a draw where we've got signed shirts and uh, retro shirts and things like that available. That'll be at the end of January. Obviously, if you can prove you've signed up as a new patron this month, um, we will also, also enter into a draw that uh, Brawley's organising for a signed deck of rice shirt. Um, so there's that. We've also got the prize draw, which we already have anyway for the existing pensions coming in January where we've um, chucked in um, some you know, decent prizes as always. And I think we're going to sort of try and have these ones to encourage more people over because, you know, the more patrons we have, obviously, you know, around being around the bush, the more money we can make from it. Therefore, the more money we can invest back into the quality of content you know i'm hoping to get myself a decent headset a microphone soon and things like that so the more the more people can sort of help us out we're also looking at people as kindly i mean i've been getting a couple of messages this week of people that have taken upon themselves to um, increase their pledges yes yes it's five pound but you can actually dictate how much you offer above five pound and a couple of people have messaged me and said that they think they get such good value for five pound they've taken upon themselves to raise their pledge and you know massively 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 appreciate that Dave, Dave and I never you know take it for granted we are there's a question coming in the section later actually about this but we work so hard to try and make sure this is value for money and we probably over analyze and beat ourselves up more than we probably should at times that we are providing that quality but we we genuinely hope that you see it as that way now and um you know you think that what you're getting is is what you should be getting and more so um, yeah happy days thanks to all those people it means a lot you know without me it's a completely sub story but you and i have had difficult years for difficult different reasons and stuff and uh this sort of those sorts of gestures do go a long way to helping um not just financially but also um from a mental perspective as well so thank mm. you to all those people that have done that absolutely well said mate okay it's january which typically means the next section starts to get that little bit more interesting. Or does it? Time to find out. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. 
And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.